Oh man, welcome back to the Gray Space. I'm Zeke. That is Dre. Yepers. And we are back with another fire interview for you guys today. Yes, yes, yes. On a hot, sunny day, we are mm-hmm. back. It is very hot. I hope this is the last of it. Yeah, right. But uh, before we get started, y'all know what to do. Make sure you subscribe to become part of the tribe. Do us right. Hit that like and comment because you're loving the content. Spotify, Apple, make sure you leave a review. Five stars, nothing less. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. We got oh, a special yeah. guest. We got a special guest in the building. <laughs> that my guy. we do, man. That we do. And uh, very excited for this one. Uh, basically, extended family, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, knows knows my big brother TJ. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, we had his wife. We we interviewed his wife. That was That's an amazing right. interview. Yep. And uh, we finally got him on. Yeah. Um, our guest today is a community leader with a purpose. His grassroots bookstore is a vibe like no other mm-hmm. that combines cultural art with valuable resources. His work with LOCs in both Michigan and Arizona has provided much needed change to both prospective areas. He's here to talk about all of that, his book, Push On Through Struggle, and tell his story on the only place stories originate. Please welcome Brother Tremekis to the gray space. Hey, welcome, family. welcome, Thank welcome. You. Thank you both for having yeah, me. Yeah, of course. Man, it's a blessing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. Um, appreciate so excited, man. Uh, you, you, I, I, I love it when you have kind of these forces that move in silence in a way, right? Right. Um, because especially in today's day and age with social media, there's a lot of things that are being said. There's a lot of things that are being spoken about, mm-hmm. but not as much being done. Right. Right. A lot of talking, right. less action. Right. Um, and, and you are a person who uh, throughout your life has been about that action, yes, sir. Uh, so to speak. Yes, sir. Um, you have a, a, a great story um, that we don't, I mean, we probably don't even know the half of it. Mm-hmm. Right. right. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, obviously, you've got the, the grassroots bookstore, which I, I've said this multiple times. I've said it on air. I've said it off air. Probably one of the most, probably one of the best hidden gems in Phoenix. Yes, sir. Yeah. You walk in, and it, like when I say it's a vibe, it is a real vibe. It's 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 welcoming. It's fun. It's colorful. Um, and you know, you you've, you've recently written a book as well. Yes, sir. Um. But I want to. I, I like the origin story. I got all this Marvel, okay. uh, you know, on my walls, and okay. and so I love the origin story. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, talk to us, kind of early, brother Tremekis, early, um, and how you got into activism oh, and just your story. So that that was sixteen years old. Okay, uh, Flint, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, a kid, man, in the streets, mm-hmm. right? Um, doing a little gang life, a little drug life. That kind of thing, the kind of thing the young black boys get into when when they ain't thinking straight, right? right. Um, always had a good mother at home. Nothing I needed to do to get out in the streets, but I made that choice. Mm-hmm. I made that choice, um, and I was on that path. And I and I, I was a soldier. I was I was that that was going to be my life, and that was going to be my death. And uh, in high school, I met a friend. That friend was in the Nation of Islam. Uh, I thank I thank Allah, thank God for the brother. Uh, he introduced me uh, to the teachings of the Honorable Muhammad. I joined the Nation of Islam at the age of sixteen. Okay, and that's when my activism life started. I started working in the neighborhoods, working up among uh, my former 
um, I'm going to say, um, I don't want to say former friends, but my former life, mm-hmm. you know, friends mm-hmm. who were still in the game, still mm-hmm. in the street, yeah. you know, still doing their thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in high school at that time, right? But I, I had found something in my life that, that gave me knowledge of self, made me understand who I was, who I was as a young black man, my history, and also made me to understand what my great future could be, mm. right? But not just for myself, for me to share with my brothers, share with my sisters. So I, I went along that path, and uh, that's, that's, that's been where I've been, you know, everything from dealing with police killings to gang violence to uh, just just political in the political arena, helping those who want to run for council or run for mayor or whatever needs to be done, right? Just looking at the needs of the community and trying to make a change on whatever level I could. Okay. So that's 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 my beginning. That's my that's my origin, and I think it's a beautiful life, man. I've I've, I've had the opportunity uh, to to bring about some some settling of difference among gang members who may have turned to the gun to kill one another. I've had an opportunity to to really be an influence on the political scene uh, in my hometown and here in Phoenix. I had the opportunity to deal with some, some struggles that we had with, with the police departments in both cities. Just had a wonderful opportunity also to, to influence uh, brothers and sisters around me to join in that mission, join in that cause, uh, and just really be a part of that. Um, and then really been blessed uh, to to become a father, become a husband, become a grandfather, mm. and live out my life in a way that I think will be beneficial for those who come in behind me. Gotcha. That kind of in a nutshell, that's my that's my origin story. Nice. You know, it gets longer, it gets more detailed. Yeah. That's yeah. Kind of in a nutshell, you <laughs> right. know what I mean? So, how, how difficult was that, you know, because 15, 16... That's a rough age. Like, my yeah. daughter's 15 right now. Mm-hmm. It's fun some days, and then it's not fun yeah. some days, right? Yeah. Um, and then, again, super impressionable as well. Mm-hmm. You're already kind of in the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, how difficult was it making that transition, not only into kind of following following the righteous path, but then now going back out into the community and talking to your friends that you were just – Running yeah, missions right, with, same. right? Just doing the same stuff yeah. with. How difficult was that transition? It was extremely difficult. Okay. It was extremely difficult. One, one of the things that pushed me over the edge is, you know, we had got into an incident and made some enemies. Okay. And I was kind of on the borderline between that life and my new life. And I'm with some of my friends and, you know, we see our ops. Right. And, you know, I'm, I was a, I was the, the guy you go to, to to get it started. Okay. Right? So, okay. So they came to me. And uh, I took the position, and my little words were, leave that brother alone. Hmm. And when I said, brother, they, they stepped back, and he looked at me, they said, oh, man, you didn't got weak. Mm. You know? I hadn't got weak. I got stronger. Yes, sir. Right. But making that transition was difficult, and, and, and for many years, I had to completely cut myself off from people I had grown up with. Right. You know, really cut myself off because... They weren't accepting of the lifestyle I had chose. Mm-hmm. They knew me one way, they weren't accepting me being another way. So yes. I ended up transferring high schools. I oh, ended up wow. in a different neighborhood, right? Okay. And really in in an entirely new environment for a new person, which was really good for me. Right. Because I didn't have to deal with the peer pressure of trying to live up to a reputation I had created before. Mm-hmm. I was able to really transform it and create a new identity. And mind you, at 15, 16, or 16 years old, 
17 years old, you don't have, you know, children that age that are really trying to make an impact on a positive level, right. not not in great number. And, and it would have been a little different if I had grown up as an honor roll student and I was already in these type of arenas of positive. Now I was among gangbangers and, and thieves and cutthroats. And I mean, I, they weren't the type of people that were trying to make a positive impact on right. the community. Right, <laughs> right, so, right. right. So, so it was a huge transition for me. Um, and then changing religions. You know, going from Christianity to Islam, that was very difficult. Families and friends didn't understand, mm-hmm. you know, you think you don't believe in God anymore. You don't believe in Jesus anymore. You're on the wrong path. And it was funny because when I was on the wrong path, I didn't get that. Right. Mm-hmm. But when I changed to the right path, it was a lot of concern. Right. A lot of concern. So that was a very difficult transition for me at such a young age Mm -hmm. and to be committed, you know, because it's a complete lifestyle change, right? To be committed to that lifestyle at such a young age. Mm -hmm. Uh, As I think back on it now, I never really thought about it until you asked the question, but now that I think about it, Oh man, it it was tremendous, right? Because it was, it was literally going from night to day. Mm. Literally it was a 180 degree turn, 180, not just in, in how you live your life, how you think, how you act, how you eat, right? Yeah. Um, there were there were a lot of challenges, but uh, you know I was blessed to have a lot of good brothers around me, uh, and what we call the fruit of Islam, FOI, who mentored me, older men who guided me along that that path and just kept me on that, kept me encouraged, mm-hmm. and eventually mm-hmm. it just became easy, brother. It just became who I was. I love I love you know? that particular word you just used, encouraged. Yeah, because I think. For young people in general, I think that's one thing that is is lacking. But definitely, when you when you talk about young black men, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. encouragement seems it's it's always strength is shown as aggressive, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, we need to we need to toughen you up, mm-hmm. right? And, and some of that is very true, right? Because in a sense, you you have to be ready for what the world's gonna give to you. But encouragement is you. Go ahead. You, you, what I say, Dre, I have five sons. Okay. Five sons. And I say this. I said, I'm going to teach my sons how to love. Mm. The world going to teach them everything else. Mm. The world going to teach them pain. The world going to teach them hate. Mm-hmm. The world going to teach them despair. The world going to teach them a lot. My first lesson to my young black sons is how to love. Mm. How do you love your brother? How do you love your mother? How do you love on each other? How do you... Because if I could... if because we, we, we've had this history of being made tough. Mm-hmm. I had those uncles and older adults would punch you in your chest, mm-hmm. you know, toughen up. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, even in the gangs, you know, you had to get beat in. I mean, we've had all this kind of this toughness, mm-hmm. right? And, and that kind of comes with the territory growing up in certain environments, right? But I never had anybody to teach me how to love. Mm-hmm. So love was the thing that I struggled to learn, right, right, mm-hmm. and the thing that I had to be very intentional at. But what I found was, and I don't mean to sound cliche, but love does conquer all. And and when you love, and you love deeply, the toughness and the de- defending and the protecting and all that naturally comes out because when you love something, you defend it. Right. Mm-hmm. When you love something, you protect it. Yes. Right. Very true. But, and when, but when you love something more than anything else, you try to care for it. Mm. You try to make sure it has what it needs. Mm. Right. So so I teach my sons how to love. They can look at their community with a heart of love, a spirit of love, and say, okay, what does my community need? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. What are this? What are this brother or sister next to me need? What are this human being? What do they need? Mm-hmm. Right. And if I could give that to them and make them a whole person, right? If I can give that to them and maybe where they're having a tough day or where they have a certain need, I can fulfill that need for them. Then what happens there? They start building that bond of strength and love in our community, so we don't kill each other as quick. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't. We don't. We don't beat each other as quick. Yeah. We don't rob and steal from each other as quick. Matter of fact. We, we grow to a point where the love becomes so powerful that you want for your brother or sister what you want for yourself. Mm-hmm. So if I don't want to hurt, I don't want you to hurt. Mm-hmm. If I don't want you to experience pain, if I don't want to experience pain, I don't want you to experience pain. Mm-hmm. If I don't want you to be in this state of, of despair, in this, 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 this state of, 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 of in, in, uh, 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 what do you call it? What am I looking for? Just this kind of depression, right? right? right. I don't want you in that state. I'm going to give you something from myself that's going to keep you from going there. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I, I get it, the toughness and how it's needed. But we got plenty of tough people, man. Right. We ain't got enough lovers, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> I also want to say too, I I think it's a blessing that you learned a lot of stuff at 16, yeah. right? Yeah. The, at least the transition, yes, right? Because I I don't think a lot of young people mm-hmm. get the opportunity. Or like the chance, mm-hmm. or you know, or beat down by the world, mm-hmm. right? Where, where you kind of, it is. It's just a blessing that you got to. Okay, I can push these people aside, even though it's hard. I think it's better when you're younger. Mm-hmm. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it'd be better if you're younger because when you get older, it's a little bit easier mm-hmm. in the sense of like what you said, like being, you know. Being loving and, and something that you love, you can kind of push away the bad stuff way easier. Easy. And that is way harder to learn when you're, you're 40, 50, yeah. si- and yeah. you're still carrying on these yeah. same, you know, uh, lines from when you were in your youth. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just got to commend you for actually turning the corner at, at such a young age, even though it's tough. It's a lesson I think learned very valuable. But you got, I, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, you know, the, it, the scriptures, for those who are students of the Bible, said, blessed is he who finds God in his youth. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, I experienced that blessing to be able to find something different in my youth. Because what happens, and you, we both know, we, 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 we all know that we're adult men. At different stages in your life, you make different transitions. Mm-hmm. So the, the 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 intelligence you have at sixteen, I don't know how old you gentlemen are, but the, I think I'm older. But the intelligence you have at sixteen is not the wisdom you have at forty. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not. Right. So as you progress in life and you learn more, you start making these different transitions. Mm-hmm. Things that appeal to you don't appeal to you anymore. Right. Things that you thought were important are not important Very anymore. True. So to have that experience at a young age, mm-hmm. it is. It yeah. is. It is a, it is a blessing. Mm-hmm. And I think that it helped me personally to become something that uh, my life in in some ways become a benefit from it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but my life in some ways has become a benefit from uh, for other people because mm-hmm. of that experience. Mm-hmm. In particular, when I'm talking to you, because I understand what they're going through, but I also understand that you don't have to wait till you're 30, 40, 50 years old to make a lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. You can do it now. Mm-hmm. You can do it now. Um, I, I, you know, I, I I tell my sons. People ask the question, "What would you do?" If you could talk to your 16, 17, 18-year-old self again, I tell my son, well, I'm doing that. Mm. 
Well, I'm talking to you. Mm. You mm-hmm. and me. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You and me. I mean, you have your own personality. Right. I get it. Mm-hmm. But you and me. You mm-hmm. and me at 14. You and me at 16. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you the benefits of this change. Now, is it going to be difficult? Yeah, but what in life is easy? Right. Life is hard. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, so the question is, what hard are you going to choose? Right. <laughs> right. right. What hard yeah. are you going to choose? Yeah. I used to work in um, a drug uh, rehabilitation. Mm. And to see someone at 22 that's been an addict since they were 10. Mm. Mm-hmm. Been an addict at 15. They were an addict. Now they're 44 years old. Mm. But they got a wife. They got children. And they're dealing with addiction. Mm-hmm. So you choose your heart. You choose it, babe. You 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 got to make the right choices because some decisions are hard for you to come back from. Yep. There was a group of young men I used to talk to um, in the gang life. They were like 14, 15 years old, mm-hmm. and they they went to do a killing. And 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 like you read in the newspaper all the time, they didn't kill the op; they killed his little brother. Mm. So then they had to go the juvenile had to go to prison. I'm standing outside the store one day. And this young brother, he said, Brother Tremekis. Hey, brother. He said, said, you don't remember me. I said, no, I don't remember you. He said, you used to come and talk to us every single day about the lifestyle we were living. He said, brother, you were right. He said, we went over there and killed that little boy. He said, now I have to deal with that for the rest of of my life. I said, you out? And I said, well, no, they let me out on the weekend. But I had to go back to this juvenile camp. Mm. He said, if we would have listened, we would have never been in that position. Yeah. So, so. You know, being able to learn these lessons in life early will help us so that we don't pay for these lessons later on in our life. So you you on point, brother. Yeah. You on point. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm 43. Yes, sir. And just, you know, from just my life, I've learned things, but I learned them late, mm-hmm. you know, and but no fault to my own, mm-hmm. right? And things were... Mm-hmm lightened to me in my mid thirties, mm-hmm. you know, and it, things started to change and, and my focus and what I saw and, and everything. And I wish I would have kind of, and it's not like I, it stuff was really bad or anything in my, you know, right. teens or twenties or anything like that, but it wasn't quite right, right you know, right, and right. It, it, you do dumb stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, and, and I know all kids kind of do, yeah, do, but, yeah. but, like just learning certain things, I wish I would have known at least in my twenties. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And so it's like, ah, man, a little bit late to the party, you know, to mm-hmm. learning these <clears throat> yes, little life lessons yes, and stuff like that, and not listening to really your inner core self, right? Because right? it's really kind of probably directing you in the mm-hmm. way that's correct. You know Always. what I mean? Yeah. So I, you know. I commend you again for, you know, you, like taking that God. turn yes, at such a young age because I'm kind of a little bit envious of that, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I, I made my mistakes now. But sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I think we all do, right? We're all human. We all make, yeah. you know, mistakes and yeah. stuff like that. But yeah. I, mean, I just mean like, you know, yes, kind of flipping a switch, yes, right? Sir. And going, okay, I need to correct Thank course, you, yes, you know? Sir. Yeah. Thank you. So you, you've you uh, done some... Um, extensive work with the LOCs mm-hmm. out in Flint, out mm-hmm. in Michigan. Um, and then obviously here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about some of that work and talk about, you know, how that and kind of that transition to Phoenix, right? From, from Flint, you know, I, I think I'm always interested because yes, 
Arizona's kind of compiled of a bunch of people from other places, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're both from California. Um, and the Midwest seems to be like Chicago. Illinois and Michigan seem to be out here right. a mm-hmm. lot. We got mm-hmm. a lot of brothers from Big. Chicago, a lot of brothers from Detroit, Flint. Um, so talk about your work with the LOCs and then your eventual transition out here and now you work with the LOC out here. So... 2005, I believe, uh, the minister introduced, really, this was the, the, the major point, because LOC, I don't know if you all remember the Million Man March. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in 1995, it was the Million Man March. And the Million Man March, there were LOC, which was local organizing committee, right. which were a group of men all around the country who helped um, to organize in those particular cities, okay. men to come to Washington, D.C., Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the origin of LOC. And I was a little involved in, but I was like 18, 19 years okay. old. What, what, that much. Still, right? still getting your, your, your feet, feet right. wet. Yep. 2005 was the Millions More Movement. Right. So the minister called the Millions More Movement in 2005. In 2005, when he called the Millions More Movement, he introduced not only the LOC, which was one component, us organizing locally, but he gave us like a skeleton to put flesh on and what he what he described as nine ministries, not religious ministry, but um, ministries, more of a governmental style ministry. Okay. Right? Where it allowed people who you say, well, I don't want to be in the nation of Islam. I don't want to join a church. I don't want to know. But I want to help my community. Okay. okay, well, here's the way to do it. You can do it through agriculture. You can do it through defense. You can do it through education. You can do it through arts and culture. You can do it through information. There's all these ways that you can do it. Right. When I heard that, that, like, for me, if the light bulb came on at 16, mm-hmm. at that when that light bulb came on, it was like I have, now I found something here. Mm-hmm. I can do this, <laughs> right? I, I can do this right here. Okay. And so we went back to Flint, and it happened all over the country. I wasn't the only one, and we got to it, right? We went right into one of the first things we did, like we did here. We started the Ministry of Agriculture. We started growing food. I mean, you, you deal with these situations where uh, you know how it is now, the genetically modified food. Mm-hmm. Me and the brother on the way over here were talking about the lab-grown meats now. Mm-hmm. You know, the food that's in the supermarket is not nutritious. Mm-hmm. It's killing us. We, we, we won't go all into that. But but we know that uh, those foods are not healthy for us. So that's number one. Number two, in many cities, there's food insecurity, mm-hmm. right, where people can have a job, but they're not making enough money to feed their entire family. Right. So for a lot of children, if they don't get school lunches, they don't eat. Right. So now, it's one thing to depend on pantries. But what if I could show you how to grow healthy, nutritious, organic food right. on your own? So that, listen, you can grow some tomatoes. This one can grow some cucumbers. Right. Right? I could grow an eggplant. Right. Mm-hmm. And now we can we can make a meal. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So so we started with mm-hmm. agriculture. But then we started looking at other areas, education. We started looking at these different areas of problems in our community. When I was in Flint, Michigan, the, the dropout rate was above 50%. Mm. 
So education is a problem. Right. But the children are not a problem. The problem is what they're teaching them in school. Exactly. So can now, can we create our own educational system, our own educational curriculum, our own school to teach our children those things that will allow them to grow in life outside of being able to just to find a job? Right. 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 So, so, so these ministries, education, trade and commerce, these were ways now for us to map out the future of suffering people. Right. Suffering black people, suffering brown people, suffering people, and not have to depend on the government because we know that the government of the United States of America has not been good to the indigenous people of this planet of this country. We know that. Right. So then now how do we map out a way where we don't have to go and ask the government to give us anything? We now can pass a way to our own liberation, our own independence, and we can suffice our own needs using mm. our own talents and skills. Right. So this was the development of the LOC. Okay. And finding uh, educated or uneducated brothers and sisters who were willing and who had know-how that were willing to put their skill sets Teach others, let's come together collectively and let's make this happen. Right. So I don't want to grow food. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I'm not finna put a shovel in the dirt. But you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So now let's find four or five others or more that agree with you. Mm-hmm. And we put them in one group. Mm. And now you say, well, now I like education. Okay. Well, let's find four or five others who want to deal with education. What well, other ones say, I don't want to deal with education. I don't want to deal with food. But I think we need to have some some parameters around our community to protect our community. It's too much gun violence. It's too much police brutality. Okay. Well, we put you together. You ought to be the Ministry of Defense. Right. So now you're putting people together mm. in, their, in their particular skill set and realm. But now... It's not independent silos. How do we support and help one another? Right. So now you have a knowledge of, of gardening, but you don't know how to educate people and how to do it. So now we can get with the educated. The educators can create a curriculum mm-hmm. with those who grow food, and now we can we can pass that out. We can come up with a form or a pamphlet or a class. We can teach the community to grow food, right? right. So now we now developing our own ecosystem. So that's the idea mm-hmm. with the local organizing committee. Mm-hmm. People organize locally mm-hmm. for the development of idea systems, development of, of the uh, um, the needs of the people, being right. able to, to satisfy the needs of the people. So we started that in Flint, you know? Right. And then uh, we were successful in Flint. I was able to move into the Midwest region and helping with some other cities and then eventually helping some of the cities in the South to establish LOCs. And so, of course, uh, when we made the, which is the second part of your question, we made the transition to Phoenix. It was only a matter of time before that happened in Phoenix. Okay. And it happened eight years ago with the 20th anniversary of the Million Man March, which was the uh, Justice the Elf movement. And the Justice the Elf movement brought out again the nine ministries and I was back on the path, brother. Nice. Back on the path. Nice. It's not quite how I got to Phoenix, but that's the LOC. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I got to Phoenix through hell. Um, uh, I had a, a it, it is funny because I just, well, we'll get into that. Okay. I had a real serious um, health issue. Okay. Uh, with um, um, my heart. Okay. And I also had a mentor here. Okay. Uh, brother by the name of Brother Jabril Muhammad, may Allah be pleased with him. He just passed away recently that I was helping. He was selling a book at the time. Okay. 
Uh, is it possible the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is still physically alive? So I wanted to come and be close to him and help him. But I also, his wife, Dr. Patina Muhammad, was my doctor. Mm. And I was going to, to some of the medical professionals in my hometown, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Mm. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And I didn't know if I was going to live, and I didn't want to die. Right. Mm-hmm. So I came to Phoenix, and she started treating me. When I first got here, brother, you know that incline in your driveway? Mm-hmm. When you come up here, I couldn't walk up that incline. Oh, wow. That's how, that's how ill I was. Mm. And I spent a lot of time in bed. Um, wow. And through her naturopathic care, she brought me back to hell. She brought me back to hell. And that's what brought me to Phoenix. And my brother opened up a restaurant. So it was kind of twofold because if I die, because we didn't know if I was going to live or die. So my thought process also was if I die, then we got a restaurant. My children will have something. My wife will have something that will take care of them in my absence. Wow. So that's kind of, you know, that that is what caused me to pack up, you know, me and my family. And drive across the country to Phoenix, Arizona. If you would have told me I was going to live in Phoenix, brother, I would have what do you mean? Right. 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 Because it, it's a culture shock. It is. Mm-hmm. It you is. Know, it's, a, it's a big difference. But uh, that's how I ended up in, in Phoenix. That's amazing. Yeah, that's how I ended that's, up here. And, and two things about kind of your story is, for one, you, you talking about uh, the LOCs and, 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 and the work you know, it almost put a battery in your back. You know, you shot up. You know, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's like it's like you really got excited. And I love that, right? And and one thing we always talk about is timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and timing is, is a blessing yeah. of sorts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, had you not come here, literally was the difference between, like you said, life and death. It was. Right? And that's the blessing Literally. That you don't see that we obviously mm-hmm. we don't see it right. Yeah. Um, so, man, good, good for like that. That's Thank amazing. You. Good for you, man. Thank good for you. Like that's 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 awesome. Um, so, moving forward, grassroots bookstore. Grassroots mm-hmm. bookstore. Man, I love grassroots <laughs> bookstore. By the way, I do too. I really. I'm serious, man. I've been there twice now, and just has a feeling to it. I, mm-hmm. I can't really describe it any other way than when you walk walk into a home and it feels homey. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it feels like you're at home. Mm-hmm. And that's what grassroots bookstore feels like. It feels like home. Mm-hmm. There's just a warm feeling there. Mm-hmm. We talked about it numerous times. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just a really great bookstore yeah it really is yeah. so how did how did you get how did you get started with that so three years ago um our ministry of trade and commerce in the loc um we were looking for businesses that could fund the movement okay and one of the ideas we came up with was a bookstore me and my partner uh brother ali um he owns strong wool i know y'all may be familiar yes with yes get him on your show uh he uh he and i I uh, came up with this idea to open up a bookstore. Okay. And and the what you said was so critical because the idea wasn't just to create a bookstore. Mm-hmm. The idea was to create a space for community. Mm-hmm. We wanted mm-hmm. to have a space that the community could come, speak their mind, say what they feel, mm-hmm. and feel at home 
doing it, mm-hmm. right? So three years ago, we started. And, and it was so funny because right when we got started, the pandemic hit. Mm. And when the pandemic hit, you had to shut business down. Mm. I, I didn't realize that it was that recent. Yeah, I didn't yeah. either. Yeah. Okay, yeah. go go ahead. That's yeah. amazing. Go ahead. Yeah. So so we shut down, and we were blessed to make it through the pandemic for a couple of reasons. One of the major reasons, unfortunately, um, George Floyd. Mm, 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 George mm. Floyd was killed. Then it was this huge influx of support for black bookstores, black businesses, in every way. Um, and we benefited from that, mm-hmm. right? We benefited from that. Um, but when we opened back up, we opened up with a, with a mindset to continue this vision. Mm-hmm. And it's really where we are now. Mm-hmm. Because with a lot of you talked about the hidden jewel, a lot of people don't know Grassroots Books is also a juice bar. Mm-hmm. So we put instituted the coffee. Uh, we have the 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 poetry events there, the, the uh, tiny cafe where it's the open mic and the performances where we bring the positive artists together and get them a platform to talk about positive music and positive things that they're doing. Because we not only we not only allow the artists to perform, we interview them. Mm. So you get the backdrop story. Mm-hmm. But we also talk about the movement. So we created this space because we wanted a space that the community could come. Not just a business. We do a transaction. You give me a dollar. Mm-hmm. I give you a product and you walk out. No. What do you want to see uh, built in the community? What do you want to see instituted in the community? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and how do you want to organize? Do you need a place to meet? Do you need a place to sit? Do you need resources that we may have access to that we could give to you? Well, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? Well, can we help you? Right? You, you want to be an author? Can we put your book in our store? Come down and do your book signing. I mean, really opening up a space for a community. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you come, that energy you feel is the energy that we created. Mm-hmm. Right, it is. Yeah. It is. We mm-hmm. want you to feel at home mm-hmm. in your community mm-hmm. to talk about the things that are dealing specific stuff. You can't go to Barnes and Noble and talk about. Right, right. You know what yeah, I mean, that's so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so true. Yeah. You know yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Two totally separate things. Yeah. Yes. You, you, you can't. You can't do that. Thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But 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 it's it's a blessing for us because it allowed us to have a space to operate from. And then it, of course, it's housed in the beautiful Afri Soul Marketplace. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have art. Culture, fashion, right? You have all of those things that it kind of becomes the same. We like to say. Some others might disagree. They may argue with it. They may say no. But we like to say it's the center of black life in Phoenix. Mm. If you're coming from anywhere in the country, the first place we say you should stop is Grassroots Bookstore, mm-hmm. right? Because we're going to point you in the direction so you can make the connection with the brothers and sisters in the community who are doing what you said earlier. Not just talking. They're moving. Right. Right? right, it's one thing to have a conversation, but it, but the thing that that we specialize in is the people that are having a conversation, the books that we're selling. What what I had a brother come in the other day. He said something that was so powerful. He said, "Brother Tremikas, I could come in here." He said, "I could pick up a book, any one of these books." He said, "I could look at the cover of the book, determine I'm going to read it or not." He said, "But if you take the story, if you take the pages out of these books and you make them real." He said, when I walk into this room, I have no choice but to be captured by it. Mm. So what we're trying to do is take what's 
the knowledge, the wisdom that's in the book off the pages so that when you walk in, you see what you're reading. Mm. You understand what mm-hmm. I'm saying? You see W.E.B. Du Bois. You see Marcus Garvey. You see Booker T. You you see uh, uh, all of our giants. You see them walking. You see them alive again in the bookstore. You see the community come alive again in the bookstore. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what our community needs. Our community needs a place where they can find life. And that's what grassroots bookstore is. So for me, it, 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 it's much bigger. And for us, it's much bigger than a bookstore. Mm-hmm. It's what you said. You captured it perfectly. Perfectly. That's what we're trying to do. You, well, you guys yeah. nailed it. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have nailed it. <laughs> and it, it I, I, I'm glad it's there. I really am. Yeah. I'm glad it's there. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Are Are you guys looking to um, expand that at all? Or, or are you just going to leave that location where it's at? Like, are you guys looking to expand into? Because obviously Phoenix is mm-hmm. it, it's 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 huge, right? But mm-hmm. now what you're starting to see is the growth in. I mean, especially you made the drive down here, the growth in the outer areas mm-hmm. of Phoenix, right? The Chandlers, the Gilberts, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the Buckeyes. A lot of stuffs moving into Glendale and moving a little bit more west. Yeah. Um. And 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 look, coming from California, like, and you could probably say the same thing about Michigan. The one kind of different thing about more rural areas um, is that you get a lot more independent, uh, independently owned, locally owned, right? Like you Mm -hmm. just, Mm -hmm. there's not, you're not seeing a Carl's Jr. on every block in California, right? Right. You got the mom and pops, Mm -hmm. you've got the, you've got Mm -hmm. the bookstores and you don't, when it comes to outside of Phoenix, you don't see that. Mm -hmm. Like in downtown, Mm -hmm. you get a lot of that because that's normal in the downtown area. Right. But in, like, California, you don't have to be in L.A. to get that feel, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To know the guy that's down the street that's been working there and passed down from his dad and his dad, right? And so I would would personally love – I don't know if if it's you guys. We got to find somebody. But I need a little bit of that vibe on Mm -hmm. the West because, um, you know, we talked about Jackrabbit. I mean, that is needed out here. You know, I can't tell you how many times that I want to – buy black right Mm -hmm. and i go on my phone and you know it's 45 50 minutes away right right? and that's not a problem but it is but it is though right Mm -hmm. and so are you guys looking to expand have you guys had conversations about that absolutely okay you know we we have a saying and it's twofold that we're the only black owned bookstore in the state of arizona that's something to celebrate but it's Mm -hmm. also something that that's painful Mm -hmm. so we don't want to remain that Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm But now we're business now. So what we want to do is make still that at least grassroots bookstore hold the number one spot, mm-hmm. right? But we want to have more grassroots. Right. Yeah. Black-owned bookstores, <clears throat> grassroots, mm-hmm. um, not just in Arizona, but in other places. Okay. You know, I talked to my wife the other day, and I was telling her, I said, well, it, it makes no sense for us to do all this work in Phoenix. But we don't have any extension of our work uh, in Flint, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we talked about the idea of having another grassroots in Flint. That'd be dope. But we've also talked about putting different uh, locations throughout the valley. Um, and that's what we're building through. Okay. We, that's what we're building to to that point because we recognize the need. And we want to make it convenient. Uh, and we want to be able to touch touch our community throughout the valley because because what 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 grassroots and I don't want to 
want to say this right, what grassroots become is a cultural center. Right. There are, there are issues that affect black, brown, and white. Mm-hmm. That grassroots has, has been able to become a central point to touch on those issues. In other words, when we talk about hunger, when we talk about police brutality, and we talk about miseducation, we talk about uh, the treatment of women, we talk about these different issues. Some of these issues that we talk about, they are not just uh, black issues. They're universal issues, right? right? So now then grassroots has to become a, a focal point of these issues in communities wherever we are. Right. And kind of like uh, what Fred Hampton did, and we can find places that uh, that we um, touch points on, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Share, mm-hmm. right? Then, then these these cultural centers, grassroots, become a place where now we can organize from a citywide effort, right. On how to get certain things done. It makes no sense. I know this kind of off subject, but this is who I am. It makes no sense that you can go throughout this valley and see homeless encampments. Mm-hmm. You got houses being built on one side of the street, mm-hmm. and you got people living on the streets on the other. Right. Mm-hmm. You have housing that's unaffordable mm-hmm. to the working class. Mm-hmm. These, these, these issues have to be tackled, mm-hmm. and, and they have to be tackled from a place uh, that understands the pain of the community mm-hmm. and it's looking not just to put a band-aid on it, but how do we heal? Mm-hmm. So we're looking to put grassroots bookstore community center and we attach them to the movement part owner. So, uh, myself, I'm part owner, my partner, brother Ali, he's part owner, but also part owner of grassroots bookstore, Phoenix LLC. Mm-hmm. So now the movement is, is inside of the bookstores inside of the business, right, right? Right. So that now we have a we have a place where movements can come together and gather. I don't know if you all know this, but uh, uh, one of the targets of COINTELPRO, uh, the the FBI, the United States government, one of the targets was black-owned bookstores. Mm. They had a concerted effort to shut down black-owned bookstores mm-hmm. because they became central points organizing. They became a central point for education. Mm -hmm. They became a a, a central point uh, for those who were in the movement to come together and be able to reach audiences. So they wanted to shut down black-owned bookstores. So we're we're a feat in and of itself. Right. Because because, uh, the Black Panthers... Uh, for the most part, they're not here anymore. Right. You know, all these different organizations that were targets of COINTELPRO were weakened. Well, black bookstores were weakened. Mm-hmm. But we're still here. Mm-hmm. So then we have an opportunity to make a change in direction. We have a, an opportunity to make a change in the community. So, I love yeah, that. Brother, I'm, 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 no. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. No, no. You we answer. just want more aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great explanation of that, yeah. you know, of uh, just localizing in, in all these different communities yes. and kind of growing out yes. and spreading out. Got to grow out and spread out. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about your book. Yeah. Let's oh, talk yeah, this, about, yeah. This little thing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pass on through struggle. Uh, push uh, on through struggle. Push on through yeah. Struggle. yeah. So, I, I talk a lot about this in, okay. in, in some sort of sense, like, or mention it on the podcast. And, <clears throat> I, it, and I think that is so key 
the push on part, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And because I think a lot of people hit a roadblock, mm-hmm. no matter how tall, how and just stop, mm-hmm. and we'll take step backwards. Mm-hmm. And then maybe try to go to the left of it mm-hmm. or to the right of it mm-hmm. and never really pushing through it. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's just one of those things where I learned later in life in my mid-30s of just push through that struggle. Mm-hmm. Lean into it. Lean into it. And it mm-hmm. sucks. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. It, at certain points, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it, as you get a little bit older, it might be a little bit easier in the mm-hmm. sense of like, Whatever your mental, like, okay, I know what this is. I'm just going to keep going mm-hmm. and just keep pushing through. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about your book, yeah. man, because I'm super excited to talk yeah. about this. So, so uh, this book was, was born out of exactly what the title is, Pushing On Through Struggle. So I talked about my health issue. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, you know, and I wrote about it in the book. At a certain point, when you don't know if you're going to live or die Mm -hmm. and you start thinking about your family, you start thinking about your wife, your children. Now I watched a friend of mine die from cancer Mm. literally by his bedside saying his last prayer for him because each breath he was taking could have been his last breath. Mm. I watched him struggle with that. Right. Mm -hmm. And when he passed away, being the breadwinner of his family, his wife, and I think six children. Mm. How do they survive? Mm. How do they survive? I don't know. Mm. I watched his family struggle. And I didn't want that for my family. Mm. So a few things happened. One of the things that happened is mentally, I had to deal with this issue, this health problem. How? So I started writing. And and what it was originally was a journal. Okay. I'm going to write out my today. I'm going to take it. I made it through yesterday. Mm-hmm. I don't know if tomorrow is coming. Mm-hmm. I just need to make it through today. Mm. So let me write out my today. Oh, no, no, no. Let me write out my today and let's talk a little bit about yesterday. Okay. Let's talk about what I'm experiencing right now, what I experienced yesterday. And then let's just talk about the fact that I'm I'm, I'm writing. I'm here. Mm-hmm. So I'm here to write it. And this is what I had to go through. This is the struggle I went through mentally. This is the pain I went through mentally. This is the, the psychological uh, um, um, pain that I went through with these health issues and, and thinking about my family and how I would survive. What, what place do I have to be in now to make myself say, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and be depressed. I'm not going to feel... And I say this cautiously. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm not going to wallow in this why me type of mentality. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find something to feel grateful for. I'm going to find something that gives me a reason to live. I'm going to document it. I'm going to write it in this book all the way up to suicide. And when I, when, when I talk about suicide in this book, I'm not talking about, well, I thought about suicide. No, I'm talking about the plan. Mm. I was I was swimming one day with my children in a swim pool, and I was 
because of my sickness, I didn't know this at the time, my body tired out. And I literally couldn't move my arms. I couldn't move my legs. I'm in the deep end of this pool drowning. Mm. My sons are in front of me. I'm watching them. And they're playing. Mm. I don't know their father is drowning. Mm. And I thought to myself, I said, I don't want to drown in front of my children. And the only thing I could think to do was to sink to the bottom of the pool. I sunk to the bottom of the pool. And I crawled to the the shallow end. I stood up. I walked out of the pool. I ain't say anything to anybody. But I learned that if I swim long enough, eventually I couldn't do anything. So had this life insurance policy Mm-mm. and uh, they wouldn't pay for pre-existing conditions. I had already had the condition, but they would pay for this accidental death. And I seen a way. I think I had took the policy out for almost a million dollars. It was $750,000. So if I die accidentally, they won't pay for suicide. But if I die accidentally, they'll pay. Mm. So now my family, because I'm thinking I'm going to die anyways. But if I can do this, my family be taken care of. So what I planned was every night I would go out and I would make it seem like I was going out swimming every night. So this is my habit. So my children, my family, if they ask anybody, you just go out and swim every night. Mm. So, so what I was going to do and what I did do, one night I said, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to swim until I get tired. Eventually I won't be able to do anything and I'll drown. I'll drown. So I'm laying in the swimming pool. You know, you sit on the edge of the pool. I'm laying in the swimming pool. I'm looking up at the sky and I'm praying. You know what I'm saying? God, you know, and I'm talking. I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And right when I made that decision, I see this. To me, it was a vision. I see my body floating in the river. I see my family coming out. My wife seeing me, not in the river, but in the swimming pool. Mm -hmm. And and in my mind, I see her jump in the pool. Now, my wife can't swim. Mm. So in my mind, now my wife, I'm already dead. My wife jumps in. She can't swim. She drowns. My children are watching their mother drown. Their father dead. Now, this is the trauma that they're left with mentally. But not only that, they don't have any one of, either one of their parents. Mm. I saw that in my mind. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And I walk out of the pool, <laughs> I go lay in the bed, I say, listen, God, if, 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 if you want me to live, give me a sign. If you don't, I accept my fate, basically. And I'm looking for a sign, Dre. I'm looking out the window. I'm, maybe a lightning bolt, something, man. Right, 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 right. I didn't get a sign. Mm. A few days later, my son comes in, one of my sons, and my sons all together, they come up with this idea how to raise money for my medicine to get my medicine and get me back on course. Why do I tell that story? Because if I would have ended my life at that point, then all the work for the LOC, all the work uh, uh, with the grassroots bookstore, you interviewed my wife last week mm-hmm. and the music and you seen what she was doing at grassroots with the hip hop. I mean, all these things, I would, I believe they wouldn't have happened. Yeah. That's what the book is about. Mm. The book is about how I went through this how I came out of it, mm-hmm. and what happened on the other side. Mm. So what most people do when they, you said it, when they meet struggle, when they meet opposition in life, they they stop. Mm. 
Because we start believing. Somebody asked me the other day, do you think, because it, you know, you're struggling with this movement, do you think that the LOC is something that you were meant in life to be? Why? Because you meet and struggle. You're going through ups and downs. You, you're successful on one end, the other end, you're not. Mm-hmm. You're doing good at one time, the other end, you're not. Sometimes you're the perfect leader, the next time you're not. Mm-hmm. And what happens to most of us, we start doubting our purpose in life. We start doubting doubting why we're here. And I I would tell anybody, you're not here to get a nice house with a picket fence, a dog, and take vacation on the weekend to some of the nice coastal areas in California. You you have a greater purpose than that. Mm -hmm. And if, 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 if we push through the struggle, if we overcome the obstacle, if we, if we, if we overcome the opposition, to our lives on the other side of that is experience because now you know mm-hmm. on the other side of that is strength mm-hmm. because you face something that looked like it was insurmountable that you couldn't overcome it but you overcame it right. so now there's strength but also on the other side of that is the value the value of your life now is increased because you understand why I went through this. Mm-hmm. And not only is the value of your life increased because the value of your life is increased, the quality of life for those around you now, they can benefit now. Mm-hmm. And they can raise their quality of life through your experience. And you say, well, I ain't perfect. It ain't meant for you to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You are a you are a soul who's in the process of becoming perfect. Mm-hmm. But you but you don't you you're not born knowing how to walk. Mm-hmm. You know, that sister uh, Richardson uh, that just won the fastest woman now. Oh, uh, Shakari Richardson. Shakari Richardson. Uh-huh. That the world discounted. Mm-hmm. Said that she couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. That she was washed up. But she pushed through. Mm-hmm. Now she's, well, she's rated as the fastest woman in the world. Mm-hmm. But guess what? One day she was a baby. Mm-hmm. And she didn't. She wasn't born running that fast. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So she had to develop to be to that point. She wasn't able to be the fastest woman in the world a few years ago. She had to go through something. Mm-hmm. She had to experience something. We don't know the experience that she went through that made her and gave her the fortitude now to compete on the highest level with any runner in the world Mm -hmm. it's the same for each one of us Mm -hmm. but we don't push through the struggle when the struggle hit us we give up we quit i ain't good enough it ain't maybe it ain't meant for me maybe somebody else should do it maybe i ain't the one that one over there doing a little bit better no 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 it's you but the difference i heard nipsey say the difference between this one and that one is they didn't give up Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So I wrote a book to encourage people. Don't give up. Mm-hmm. Fight, man. Mm-hmm. If, if a fight comes to you, become a fighter. Mm-hmm. If a war comes to you, become a warrior. Mm-hmm. But damn, don't lay down and die. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if I would have laid down and died, and I have to be honest, that's a coward's way out. Mm-hmm. That's a selfish way out. You don't have a right to make the decision even of your own life because you ain't the author of your own life. Mm. Mm. You had a creator that brought you into this world. So your life ain't your life. You had parents and you had mothers and fathers and uncles and aunties and brothers and sisters who invested in your life because they thought it was worth it. Mm. 
people who seen the value in you, coaches and teachers who seen the value of you, somebody seen value in you. You don't have a right after everybody put investment in your life to just give up on life because you now face some difficulty that you think you can't overcome. Mm. When you, you got a human body, it's pressure on this body. And if the, if the, if you didn't have pressure internally, equal to the pressure that's pushing on your body externally, the atmosphere itself would crush you. Mm. But you got something inside of you. That's just as strong as what's pushing against you. Mm. So then if that's true with the human body, it's also true with the human spirit. Mm. It's also true with the human mind. So if the pressure is pushing on you, push back, push back. Yes, sir. And don't let the environment, don't let the difficulty, don't don't let the obstacle crush you. Become a warrior. Mm-hmm. Become a fighter. Become something new. Become something different. If the old you don't work, transition into something else. Yes, and if the environment that you're in doesn't work for you, then create a new environment. Yes, sir. Find a new environment that's more conducive to your growth. That's more conducive to you now becoming what you're born in this world to be. Mm. Because we need you. Yeah. We need you. So I wrote a book, Push On Through Struggle. Because mm. I want I want people to understand, man, we need you. And if I could go through what I go through, if I could, if I could still go through. I mean, I'm the brother with. T- I just came out of the hospital on Sunday. Mm. They found clots all throughout my lungs, so I'm sitting in front of you right now. I got blood clots in my lung that at any time could take my life. But do I look like I'm bothered? Mm. Do I look like I'm worried? Do I sound like oh, I was, I don't know why? No. I'm going to push through whatever difficulty that I deal with, whether it's spiritual, whether it's mental, whether it's physical. I'm going to push through it because if God can use me as an example, and if he can spare my life because I walked out of the hospital, then I'm going to spend every moment, every second, every hour that I can giving back to the people that are around me. Push through struggle. Yes, sir. And don't let nothing take you down, man. Yes, sir. Don't let nothing stop you. All of us. Brother told me, he said, Brother Tremaine, you know why this book is selling so well? He said, because we all struggling. Mm-hmm. I ain't got no copyright on struggle. Mm-hmm. I had a mentor <laughs> told me, he said, Brother, brother Captain Dennis. He said, Brother Tremaine, you ain't got no copyright on struggle. We all struggling. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in the hospital with somebody in the room next to me. That was in the hospital, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I love it. On Sunday. On Sunday. But here I am on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Last Saturday, I had the IV. I still feel the pain from mm-hmm. the IV in my arm. Mm-hmm. Not this Saturday. This Saturday, I'm on, the, I'm on your show. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in front of Dre. I'm sitting in front of Z. So what I'm saying is, push. Push, brother. Yes, sir. Push. The lives you touch, your own life. Why are you here? Mm-hmm. Don't you want to find out? Mm. Why am I here? Yes, sir. Why am I in this world? You wasn't a waste. You come with intention. You come with purpose. Find it. Yes, sir. Live it. And the obstacles, they just there to help you. 
along the way because in the current state that you're in, you can't be what it is that you need to be. You got to become something different. Mm-hmm. So the pain, the butterfly, I talk about the butterfly in the in the book. The butterfly uh, with a caterpillar in the cocoon and the process of coming up out of the cocoon is what strengthens the butterfly's wings. That's 100%. So they can become strong enough now. That's one. But if you cut that cocoon open and that butterfly just comes out with, they don't go through that process. What'll happen is his wings will stay curled, and after a few days it'll die. Mm-hmm. Are you just in a cocoon? You're just coming out of it. Mm-hmm. And when you come out of it, your wings are strengthened. Now you're flying. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I, I think I heard somebody say that the. Uh, flapping of a butterfly wing that they discovered that it contributes to the waves in the ocean. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, man, you mm-hmm. connect it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, brother. I love that. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank brothers you. Brothers for, 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 for coming thank through. Um, let them know where they can find the book. Obviously, I, I, we know it's at grassroots. <laughs> right. <so. laughs> <laughs> and, and exclusively at Grassroots. Okay, Books. awesome. And you can order it online, grassrootsbooks.com. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, just put, type it in, push on through struggle. We'll ship mm. it right out to you. Let them know where they can find you uh, in the social media world because yeah. that's important. All things Brother Tremekis. Okay. So Instagram, Brother Tremekis. Uh, Facebook, Brother Tremekis. Uh, and of course, the Phoenix LOC, PHX LOC on Instagram and on Facebook. And uh, yeah, Twitter. So all social media, YouTube, okay. Brother Tremeka, Phoenix LOC, and then you type either one of those in, you're gonna find me. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. And you know, you know, we're gonna sprinkle it down oh, yeah, in YouTube course. world. It'll be sprinkled mm-hmm. down there somewhere. Thank you again. Thank um you. this one hundred percent I mean this wholeheartedly. You made my day today. Like yeah. our day was kinda in limbo this morning. There was just a lot of things going on. And we were kind of like, I wouldn't say irritable, but it was just like, ugh. like it was, we were going through struggles, right? And um, your story, what you've done for the community um, is amazing. And we got to make sure everybody goes goes and gets this book, man, because that's amazing. And and go to, gra- just Come make on. a trip to Grassroots yeah, Bookstore. Please. Please, please, please. 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 You got to do yourself a favor please. and go to that yes. bookstore. It's amazing. Thank, Thank you, you again Thank for you, coming please. on. It's been an amazing blessing for you being here and sitting here today. Uh, everything for a reason, we always say, and mm-hmm. the timing of everything, the timing for you to be here on this particular show, yes, not just for the cameras and everything, like Dre said, also for us. Yes, this yeah. is the reason you were here today. Thank and you, 100%. We thank love you. it. We thank you for being here. Uh, you're always welcome to come back on the show. Yes, sir. Uh, Anyways, you guys stay safe. You guys stay positive out there. And as always, this is the Gray Space. Peace. Peace.